Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm the entertainment editor at Mamma Mia. And I'm Kiris. I work at Social Squad, which is Mamma Mia's internal social media agency. Laura Brodnick, my friend, back in the seat again with you today. How are you? Doing pretty well. I feel like I need to extend my title because your title is so impressive sounding. (laughs) We'll have to brainstorm that. Entertainment editor and something, something. I need more syllables to sound relevant, I feel. Queen of pop culture. Yes, I'll add that to my business cards. Mamma Mia will be thrilled. (laughs) In today's deep dive, we talk about Carlin Sterrett's new comments on his breakup with Bachelorette Angie Kent and the vulnerable side of reality TV for men. But first, our entertainment headlines. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Ed Sheeran went and had a baby. So yesterday, the singer-songwriter announced via his Instagram that he and, of course, his wife, Cherry Seaborn, had welcomed a baby girl last week named Lyra Antarctica Seaborn Sheeran. So mum and baby are doing well, but all we really care about is this baby name. And I have done a little bit of research and I've got some good tea for you. So Lyra is the lead character's name in a fantasy series called His Dark Materials. And apparently Ed Sheeran is just mad about this series. He tweeted back in 2015 that the series was the best books that he had ever read. And then the second name, Antarctica, obviously we know it's a very icy continent, right? That's what it is? Yes, it is an icy continent. (laughs) Okay, brilliant. Just checking. I wasn't that great at geography. And eagle-eyed fans remembered that the pair took a trip to Antarctica recently and went and looked in the photos and it is nine months, pretty much to the day since they went on that trip, which means that little Lyra Antarctica joins the likes of Brooklyn Beckham and being named after the place of conception. I love that detective work you've done there. Thank you very when much. When I saw that he, they had named their daughter Lyra, my heart skipped a beat because I knew he was a fan of those books and I'm such a fan of them too. And Lyra Bellacroix from the series is such an iconic character. And I was like, yes, Ed Sheeran, way to name your daughter after one of the most like famous kind of girl heroines in literature. He's such That's a boss. Just a really bold move. I love it. Him and his wife, Cherry, love them. Go Cherry. And they have such a cute story. They were friends in primary school and then ended up reconnecting later and he got his dream girl we love a good love story (laughs) on to another love story kind of osha not able to film the bachelorette what's going on okay so channel 10 in a very sad day just a number of sad days for them at the moment i think with what's going on with all their reality shows has confirmed that osha ginsburg will miss out on hosting several crucial episodes is what we know so far of the bachelorette because he is currently stuck in quarantine in melbourne after the coronavirus outbreak cluster that formed on the masked singer which is the other show he hosts. So at the moment, he's only about halfway through the mandatory 14-day isolation period that's come even though he and the other hosts have 
at this stage tested negative. But once that's over, they still have to film the grand finale of The Masked Singer. That's the kind of last piece of the puzzle of that show left to film. So it sounds like he's going to be caught up in Melbourne for quite a while. And then also something Jackie O's pointed out is that the people on that set who then have to go out to Sydney will potentially have to do another 14-day quarantine because they're entering from Victoria. So we might not see Osha for a very long time. It's not the first time he's missed some of the filming. Remember how last year with The Bachelorette he oh, didn't yeah. do the finale um, for Angie Kent's season because his little son Wolfgang another great baby name, was being born. But I feel like the finale, like, it was kind of okay because everyone just wanted to see Angie pick between Tim and Carl. Yeah, his role's very minor at a fin- in a finale. But I think if it's over a couple of episodes, they'll have to bring someone in to do that hosting role. Yeah, well, interestingly, like, recently I remember that the US Bachelor franchise host Chris Harrison, he had to take time off to take his son to college in Texas or whatever, so had to do a quarantine when he came back. And they are a previous bachelorette called Jojo Fletcher to step in as guest host for the couple of episodes. So I'm thinking like they want someone with hosting experience, someone who obviously lives in Sydney because that's where the bachelorette is filmed. I'm thinking maybe Maddie J. He he's got a hosting gig on Luxury Escapes on Channel 10. I'm feeling they're just gonna dip into their little pool there and pull them over. Yeah, and Maddie J and his fiance Laura Byrne did a little stint on like another season of The Bachelor Bachelor. I can't think of what That's one where they went right. in and gave they, yeah, they went in and gave advice to the contestants, so they're not afraid to go back. So I feel like you've just solved the puzzle for them. Yes, Channel Ten, please send me the check. I would like my cut of that. Or well, on to some kind of sad but also quite moving news. On Monday it was the twenty three year anniversary of the death of Diana, Princess of Wales. At the time she left behind Princes Harry and William, who were just 15 and 12 at the time. I, it always blows my mind to think of how young they were. So even though Harry and Megs now live in L.A., away from the other royal family. They made sure to mark the day with a touching tribute and they visited a preschool learning centre in LA and together with the children planted a bed of flowers and vegetables. So the visit was organised in conjunction with the Assistance League of LA who work with providing childcare to underprivileged families or families that are struggling. And they posted an image along with the caption saying, the children of our preschool learning centre got a wonderful surprise when the Duke and Duchess of Sussex arrived yesterday. In addition to helping the children replant the preschool learning centre's garden, they spent time with them, sharing their appreciation for nature and helping to instill the importance of healthy eating. But I think the really touching thing about this is that there were reports that the garden included forget-me-not seeds and they are famously Diana's favourite flowers. And Harry actually picked forget-me-nots for Meghan on the day of their wedding to include in her bouquet for their 2018 wedding. So it's quite a nice tribute to her and I can't believe it's been 23 years. Exactly. That is a lovely tribute. And the fact that he always finds those little ways to kind of work his mother into those big moments of their life, especially with all the negative headlines that have been around William and Harry at the moment. And they did also release a joint statement together, marking their mother's birthday and and that sort of stuff. So it's nice that they still come together for those moments. Back in July, Angie Kent and Carlin Sterrett 
confirmed news that a lot of people had been thinking they were in fact parting ways, wishing each other well, and really talking about how difficult the breakup was. There wasn't much information past that. It was all very PR handled with a big kind of bow on it. But this week, we finally got some insight with Carlin opening up in an interview on podcast How to Life. And he revealed that he felt insecure after one, watching the series in full and seeing the strong relationship that Angie had had with other castmates, but also revealing that she still kept in touch with the runner-up and that it was really made him feel quite insecure. Exactly. And I think why this podcast has been, and this interview in particular, have been so many headlines is that there has been this real hunger and this real appetite for more details around their split, just because the public was so invested in them and they were so invested in kind of looking for signs for their breakup. And then obviously Angie Kent has spoken a lot on her Instagram account while Bachelor in Paradise was airing about how she felt now that a lot of the people who were on her season were there for the wrong reasons and people were kind of talking about what that meant. But I also think there is the other kind of, besides the sensational news around their breakup, is the other kind of interesting thread through this interview is him just talking about that insecurity that he and many of the other men in the franchise feel kind of going through this process. And on one hand, it's like, you know, you do sign up to be one of a dozen people dating the same person. So this is going to come into play and kind of, you know, you can't hold Angie to account for the fact that she made other relationships in that house and during the filming. But I think also when he just talked about the kind of what it felt like for him saying that each guy would come back to the mansion with a smile on his face if they got a rose, as most of them did when they went on a date with Angie. And he said, seeing how strong those connections were, he realized for the first time that he wasn't the front runner, which is maybe something he had in his mind the whole time and that he saw it was a really difficult choice for her to pick him, which is so different to what so many other contestants come out. Like I just, usually they interviews, they're like, you guys didn't see it because they couldn't show all of our love story, but I knew I was the front runner the whole way through, or we, everyone in the house knew this person. And usually you think it's, it's just edited to make us think that it isn't really a choice. Like that's what Georgia Love and Lee Elliott have said about their relationship, that if we had seen all the footage, we wouldn't have been shocked because we would have seen that he was the choice all the way through. And they both knew that, but it's, seems like for Carla and Angie, there was a very different story happening on the set. Yeah, and I like how he was talking about how it was almost as if someone had handed you their phone to their Tinder and said how to scroll. Yeah. Like it was that kind of like pervy, you know, like you're dating someone at the same time someone else is dating someone for up to nine weeks, really. And not realising that, oh, God, there actually is a deeper connection. Because I also think boys will be boys. I know that's a bit of a shit thing to say. But he probably thought he was definitely the front runner because he could see now what we know. There were a few fuck boys on her yes. season who have since gone on to Bachelor in Paradise. I feel quite safe in saying that. And I think they would probably <laughs> yep. agree. And that maybe, yeah, realising he actually wasn't and there was somewhat of a connection there. And it made me think of how often, like, watching it back, you think about the runner-up and how awkward and, and, you know, sad that would be for them, but you don't often think about the winner and how they felt. And it reminded me of this interview from Lana Jeevan's fellow. She was a runner-up in Sam oh, Wood's yes. season when he picked Snazana Markowski, who is now Wood. They're married and have two kids, so that was very successful. But she revealed on a podcast, I think it was back in 2016, that she had bumped into Snazana about a year later in an event and she ignored her. And Lana had said that she was quite miffed and called her a sore loser. But 
I thought at the time, like, hang on a minute, you were an intruder. You came pretty late in and their connection was like fireworks, Lana mm. and Sam's. If I was Snezana watching that back after she was also the clear front runner, I'd be a bit standoffish too and not really wanting to talk to her. Like I would feel insecure about that. So I think what Carlin was saying about the way that it made him feel is so relatable. Like who wants to watch the person that they're in a relationship would date people. And if the relationship isn't solid, I think, coming out of that, and then you're also watching this unfold, no wonder it kind of leads to them breaking up. Yeah, and it kind of made me think like what you're saying there with the emotion that's happening with these men on these shows is that we often don't take that part of it into account because I think the whole narrative around The Bachelorette and the male contestants is bro code, they're all, you know, in it together, they're all larrikins, you know, here for a laugh and they're all bonding and they're all just wanting to get to know this cool chick and it's all very like you don't kind of get that emotion into it Whereas the narrative around the women is very much like they must find a husband. This is their only chance for love. Otherwise, they'll miss out forever. And so they fight and they cry and they get overly invested. And so I think that we're really attuned to their feelings and their mental health and what happens to them behind the scenes. But I think that because we don't see that with the men as much and kind of what he's saying here about that intense insecurity. And he said, like, you know, it would really start to just eat away at me. And when we see that on screen, we kind of don't want to see that type of emotion. Emotion. With Angie's season, you had that scene where you saw Kieran really crying and breaking down. And there was a yeah. huge conversation around that, how we don't actually see men just cry and have that big emotion on TV and how important that was. But then just a few years ago with Maddie J on Georgia Love's season, there was that really talked about moment where she said to him in the final, like, I don't choose you. And he, you could tell that he really thought that he was going to be picked by her and they had a relationship and his whole body like crumbled forward. He was going to cry. Like it was such a raw emotional moment. And there was a lot of backlash around that. Like people were saying like, oh, like he's so emotional. There were all these memes and jokes on Twitter about him being like a bit of a crybaby and stuff. Not from everyone, but there was definitely that rhetoric that he should have been more of a man and, and kind of, you know, held it together. And so I just think this is the side of the conversation we need a little bit more around that kind of insecurity and emotional side that the men on these shows go through. Yeah, definitely. And they're not big babies. They feel like we all feel. It's important. Exactly. Well, the other interesting thing about this I wanted to touch on was the fact that he did reveal that Angie had kind of kept in touch with Tim following the end of the series, which you don't really hear a lot of people saying that, but I also think on one hand for Angie, like you deeply care about someone, you've been dating them for nine weeks. Of course you want to check in and make sure that they feel okay. But that that kind of put a bit of a strain on their relationship. And then shortly after The Bachelorette wrapped, she went and did Dancing with the Stars and that his insecurities grew even more because she was, you know, flying and training, you know, spending most of her time training for this dancing show and having to put all of her energy into that and that he felt quite I guess forgotten or or insecure in that situation it reminded me of when you actually went and interviewed Angie on the set of Dancing with the Stars and you could even tell that she was like quite upset during that time and it's just interesting to hear him talking about that time to really understand what was going on behind closed doors. Yeah exactly and this part of the interview is the only bit I take a little bit of issue with like I know he's speaking from his own experience and that's fair enough but I think there's a line here where he says I'm still feeling pretty shit about having just watched you mack on with all these dudes and you know I wasn't ready for it and all this sort of stuff which is you know a kind of not inferring that she had any kind of relationship with her dance with a stars partner but I think kind of just 
I don't know, it was, a, it was a difficult kind of quote to read in terms of the fact that she was not macking with other dudes. That was part of the show and her going to do Dancing the Stars was also, you know, that is her job. She goes on reality TV shows and that's how she makes her income. So it's kind of hard to look at that in that way. But yeah, I did go to the Dancing with the Stars set back in the days we could go on planes and talk to people, fond memory. And <laughs> um, I interviewed Angie after her first performance. And yeah, she was saying that she and Carl and both were really feeling that public intensity and there was so much backlash about her going on another, another reality TV show and she was saying to me that oh, she just wants the public to be kinder and to remember these people have feelings and then I had to ask her you know because that's my job where is Carlin people think you guys are not together or broken up or you know that's going to be the question is why isn't he here and she said she didn't want any of her family or Carlin to come down and watch her performance at this stage because she wanted to kind of get together on her dancing, be kind of get her performance ready and feel really good about herself before they came down to watch her so that it wasn't kind of like a waste of their time being there. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's what she said. So I think we have to take that on board as that was her context around it. But you could definitely see the strain that was happening there. And she was really open about that, the pressure she was feeling being in a public romance and then going on another reality TV show. So I think we can definitely know that was a difficult time for both of them. It's just interesting to really have this conversation about what it is like for those people that win, like for people to go on and have successful relationships, to get married and have kids, like the amount of public scrutiny, the amount of dealing with your emotions, having just been in this like very controlled environment, it really is a massive feat that people go on to have successful relationships from these franchises, like not including everything else that we know to be true, like the person even wanting to be in it for the right reasons, but just how intense it is after leaving the show and trying to make it in the real world. It's just interesting looking back on it and kind of understanding that it takes a lot to make it work. Oh, exactly. Like people always say when they see those happy videos that play off the finale where the couple's all, you know, cuddling up on the couch and saying like they're so in love and happy and thanks for watching our story. And people are always shocked when couples from the Bachelor franchise break up. And I'm always shocked when they stay together. Yeah. Like that is against all odds. <laughs> to meet under those circumstances, watch this person date other people on TV, then to be, and you're only spent like a couple of hours together over the whole filming, then to be separated for months and months and months and not be able to tell anyone that you're together and then be thrust into the spotlight when you're really still a relatively new couple. It's actually, I think we've just become a bit like numb to it because we watch it so much and we talk about it so much, but that is the wildest, most ridiculous set of circumstances I've ever heard. They all need a bloody prize. I guess their relationship is their prize if they make it. There you go. Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. Do you love the show? We love the show and we love doing it for you each day, but we need more people to find us. So what you can do is hop on to wherever you're listening to your podcast, leave us a rating and a review, and that means other people will see our podcast and we can grow The Spill to be big and huge and wonderful. This episode of The Spill was produced by Maddie Joanna. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.